Thank you for joining us on the Fort Lee Podcast. I'm your host, Jefferson Wolf. Please don't forget to go to Apple Podcasts or whatever your podcast service is and subscribe to the Fort Lee Podcast. Give us a rating, whatever you think we deserve, and give us a review too. If you have some guests you'd like to recommend, we'd be more than happy to entertain the thoughts. We don't know everybody on Fort Lee, but there's a lot of folks out there who have interesting stories to tell. If you do leave a review, we'll highlight any potentially good reviews on future podcasts, and we'll uh, definitely give you credit for turning us on to somebody who is a good interview. This podcast guest, back to today, we have only two for you this time because the two interviews both went a little long. The first one is going to be Major Jonathan Ward, the XO for uh, Army Logistics University Support Battalion. He's going to talk to us about Suicide Prevention Month, which is September. Um, but if you are listening in October, as this podcast is coming out late in the month, it's still good advice, and it's a compelling discussion, and we think you'll enjoy listening to what he has to say. Our other guest today is Chris Anthony from the Garrison, the Fort Lee Garrison's uh, Div Directorate of Human Resources, and Chris is going to talk to us about civilian career management and training opportunities for the Garrison civilian employees. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome back to the Fort Lee Podcast. I am joined now by Major Jonathan Ward. He's the XO of the Army Logistics University Support Battalion. Welcome. Thank you. Um, thank you for being here with us today. Um, and we kind of have a topic this month that's sometimes a tough one to talk about, and that's uh, this month is Suicide Prevention Month. Um, though, Major Ward, you're the XO right now. You've been a commander in a number of spots, and you've had to uh, help other people through suicidal ideations, and you've had to lead soldiers who were having suicidal ideations. Is that correct? That is correct, and it is a tough subject to talk about, but uh, my commands uh, range from uh, Special Operations Detachment Command to an HHC command with over 500 personnel in it. So uh, you see a lot of things, and a lot of soldiers struggle with different things, and some of them surround uh, the suicide ideations-centric. Um, tell us a little bit about your experience with working through suicides with your soldiers what uh, as a commander what what were the situations you faced a lot of the situations i see are uh you know suicidal ideation of the soldier themselves or uh the other part where uh the soldier might be dealing with it is the repercussions and and the aftermath of a suicide that occurred close to them whether it be a family member or a, a close friend what resource do you typically point soldiers to when they're going through this? A lot of times it's uh, up to the soldier. You know, when a soldier is, is in that state and feeling that vulnerable, you, you want to make sure the soldier goes to the source that they're comfortable with. Some might be close and comfortable with the chaplain, whereas others want to uh, seek behavioral health. Others, it might be a, a mentorship thing. Maybe I can help them directly myself, or there's a, a mentor that's close with them, and, and they feel closer and uh, easier talking with somebody who, who knows them and they can open up to as opposed to a stranger. So it really depends on the individual themselves and where they're the most comfortable. But as a leader, you've got to understand what resources are out there and which one is the best fit for that individual. How does your experience in dealing with suicides throughout your career affect your command philosophy? What do you tell your soldiers about this when you do suicide training or you talk about it? Well, I think this topic, just like anything, uh, you know, I, I'm a big in uh, experiential learning. So uh, having gone through many things myself, it, it kind of 
molds me into what my command philosophy is. So uh, the experience that I've had both uh, as uh, an enlisted soldier coming up through and now as a commissioned officer with the opportunity to be in, in command positions, uh, it, it defines how I want to command and where I see importance and, and what I've learned along the way. And with this particular topic, um, you know, what I've learned is that you need to get to know your soldiers on a personal level, you know, not befriend your soldiers, but get to know them on a personal level to understand what their life is like, because our life goes beyond the uniform and you need to understand if they have struggles that have nothing to do with what their, their job is, because the struggles that may lead to suicide ideations often uh, will be derived from uh, family problems or uh, substance abuse problems or, or something that it's not work-related and you need to understand what is going on in your soldiers' lives that is beyond work. And we talk about that a lot in, in the classes that we see where it's not necessarily something that happened on a deployment or an injury or something like that that leads people to have suicide ideations. Instead, it's pressures that they have in their family life or their financial life or something like that. Is, is that your consistent with your experience? Absolutely. Stressors and indicators are, are, are a very big uh, tool and, and something that leaders need to, to be aware of because uh, the, the stressors are going to feed into why a soldier is feeding, feeling a certain way. Um, but you got you have to look for indicators within the soldiers and within your formation that say, you know, maybe we need to, to make sure this uh, soldier gets to beha behavior health. And that's why they do take uh, command referrals, because maybe the soldier won't go there on their own. But as a commander, you need to ensure that that you're taking the necessary steps to look after their safety and kind of get ahead of a uh, possible issue because you've seen these indicators, you know what they are, and you're familiar with what you should be looking for. As the XO here at the ALU Support Battalion, what have you been trying to do or to emphasize to get ahead of suicide? Well, here in the Support Battalion, it's kind of unique because the majority of what we have are students. Um, so getting to know students on a personal level is, is a bit of a challenge because uh, a bullet class will come in, for example, and suddenly we have 110 new students that we need to get to know, right? So that's easier said than done. Right. Um, but it, it's important to at least make that attempt, and that's where the TAC officers and first-line supervisors and things of that nature are going to come into play because at the end of the day, um, you're talking about 110 young kids that are coming from all corners of the United States from college, and it could be the first time from home and stuff like that. So we talk about uh, stressors that, that feed into the possible suicide ideation. They already have a lot of them, and we need to take that into account. And because of that, we need to understand that those stressors are there and, and be on the lookout for indicators to uh, reach down to them on that personal level to say, you know, we understand that the, the stressors are there. What can we do to help? Where is it that that we can intervene as leaders and, and introduce Army sources or, or things that might be able to help with that? Because while we're here to teach you POI and train you to be uh, the future Army leaders, we're also here to make sure you're taken care of as a person. What was your closest experience in dealing with a suicide as a commander or a leader? Uh, the closest experience that I had, uh, it, the suicide did not happen under my command, but I had a suicidal ideation under my command that was pretty close to me because um, 
the soldier was having a lot of the typical stressors and, and struggles in his personal life. Uh, he was going through a divorce and losing custody of a child, and it was adversely affecting his job. Um, he acknowledged that he was seeking out help, and he sought, you know, my mentorship and guidance as well as that of the chapel, our chaplain, excuse me. Um, and he was given the support that he needed. We we knew what resources to provide, and he utilized those resources and and kind of got on the right track, if you will. Um, this soldier uh, did go through the divorce, uh, wound up with shared custody of, of his child, and uh, but got his military career on track. And when we fast forward 10 years, as I maintained contact with a soldier beyond that command, um, he did remarry and, and have two children. Um, we stayed in touch uh, for several reasons. We were later assigned uh, to the same base again, uh, so our families were close and attending the same church. So, so we stayed in touch, and uh, it was good to see him, uh, you know, moving forward in a positive direction. So uh, after he PCSed, uh, we still maintained phone contact and Facebook friends and the typical uh, social media communication, I guess, and. Uh, he called me one weekend talking football and asking how the family was doing, and uh, it was a typical conversation that I had had with him several times over. Uh, and when that phone conversation ended, it was the last time I talked to him. Uh, he committed suicide later that evening. And there was nothing in the conversation that would have led you to think there were any indicators or stressors that he was expressing to you? Absolutely not. And, and having the, the close history that I did have with him and with him having suicidal ideations, I, I kind of thought I knew what to look for, but that particular conversation was, was literally football and family and, and no indications that he was uh, struggling. But uh, afterwards... Uh, now you said talking, you talked to his wife afterwards, attended the funeral and all that stuff. What Tell us a little bit about the effect on his family. It obviously devastated the, his family. Um, his wife, or widow, uh, knew they were going through more than what I knew. Uh, obviously, she, she did say there were marital problems, and he started drinking again with, with me not being as close and stationed in the same place. That Those were some details that I wasn't privy to and didn't know. I wasn't as close as what I was when we were stationed together, obviously. Um, so there was a lot that I found out afterwards that was like, you know, yep, th those are definitely stressors, and those indicators were there. It was just that I wasn't able to see him based on, on the circumstances, right. and I guess he found himself in a place where he uh, w was not supported and not in a good place and didn't feel that he had the resources that he needed and once had to uh, to not make that decision that at one point in time he, he chose otherwise. Now... One of the things that you talked about earlier briefly was stigma of suicide or of seeking help. Um, could you talk a little bit about your philosophy, obviously as a commander and now as an XO, when a soldier comes to you and says, hey, I'm having this problem, I'm thinking about committing suicide or self-harm or something like that, how should they feel when they do that? They should obviously not feel that this is going to affect their career. What, what, what do you kind of counsel people on? I think they should feel supported. They should feel like that comes first before anything else. Um, they should feel like they have the resources they need and the compassion and care of their leadership to make sure that they as a person are taken care of and in a good place and that the Army and our jobs and the other stuff can definitely be uh, put on hold and come second. 
because if we're not taking care of our soldiers and those are our our number one war fighting you know machine is the soldiers themselves um then you know we're not taking care of our army because it, you know if they're not in the motor pool that day or they're not doing their mos that day uh you know, the army will keep going on but we need to take care of our, our people and that should be first and foremost at all times do you think the stigma for suicide or seeking out mental uh, illness help has changed in the army over the years it has i've been around to see about 25 years of it and i think it definitely has changed over that time um i wish i could say it's gone away completely but i'd be lying to you if i said that i think we've made great progress but i think we still need to get rid of whatever the last of that stigma is there because I do think there are still people be, that have that personal bias that there's a weakness associated with it or that, that you know, uh, it's a lack of resiliency or, or that there's some way and somehow that, uh, you know, people should just never have that, that thought or, or find themselves in that position. I, and I don't think, while I do believe that resiliency can help be a preventive medicine, so to speak, I don't think we should ever get to the point to where we think we fool ourselves into thinking we can train uh, suicidal ideation completely out of our force. And when it's there and when we find ourselves with soldiers that are struggling, we need to take care of them. What would your message be to anybody who's listening to this, whether they're military, civilian, whatever, who maybe is struggling right now? What would you tell them to do? I would tell them not to struggle in silence. I think a lot of people that struggle, um, whether it be uh, the stigma we talked about or shame or, or feeling like they don't have somebody they can fight in, um, they, they struggle in silence a lot. And uh, if you care about someone who you think is struggling in silence, you, you, know, you should uh, try to help them out and help them come out of that silence. But if you're that individual that is struggling in silence, I, I would challenge you to uh, come out of that silence and find what works for you. You know, again, it could be a chaplain, it could be behavior health, it could be a, a best friend or a relative, a mom and dad, but um, you're not going to be able to take that first step to come out of the struggle um, by not taking a step at all. And when you're struggling in silence, I think that's what they're doing is not doing anything about it at all. And that's why the struggles continue. Um, so they've got to open up and, and, you know, if you're a leader, a, a friend or a family member that, that sees that there's some struggles going on, then, you know, help them take that first step. Not you can't take it for them, but you can be there for them and, and maybe help them have the courage to confide in you or to go to where they can confide in. What would you say to other leaders who are staring down this same problem? Uh, I know we kind of talked about it earlier as far as knowing your people. I, right. I think that's the, the very first thing I would tell any leader. Uh, your people aren't just numbers. You know, they're, they're people, and you need to know them, and you need to know uh, what makes them tick and what's going on in and out of the uniform. Um, but you also need to know what resources are out there. You know, get the training yourself. Make sure you're a, a trained and educated leader so that when you are faced with this problem or, or any of the other problems we're, we're faced with as leaders that you know how to properly resource the problem, that you know how to take care of your soldiers and that you know what uh, assets are out there for them and, and how to best take care of them with what the Army provides us because there are a lot of uh, tools out there, there's a lot of resources out there, and there's a lot of 
uh, good people that are standing by waiting to help those that need help. One last question, and it's a big catch-all. Is there anything we didn't talk about today that you think is important when we're talking about the subject of preventing suicide and Suicide Awareness Month? I think life balance comes into it. Uh, As a leader myself, uh, obviously having been a soldier myself, seeing it in soldiers, life balance is hard for everybody. Uh, You know, business world, uh, military. My wife is a nurse practitioner, so the medical field, especially over these last couple Mm -hmm. of years, it's hard to find that life balance. But we need to have the life balance because if you neglect your personal life, your family, your uh, the other things in your life because your military, your medical, your 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 profession consumes you and uh, it it'll devour you whole. You know you've got to have that uh, that life balance to be able to fulfill yourself and take care of yourself. So I would just say, life balance and take care of yourself would be that catch-all and how I would try to best answer that question. Well, thank you very much. That was Major Jonathan Ward, the XO of the Army Logistics University Support Battalion, and we'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the Fort Lee Podcast. I'm joined now by Chris Anthony, the Workforce Development Specialist at the Garrison here at Fort Lee. Welcome to the podcast. Oh. Thank you, sir. I'm glad to be here. Tell me a little bit about what a workforce development specialist does. What is your job? Oh, my, like you said there, my job is to help civilians to actually, with their professional development, to actually take the next step that they need to do in their career, uh, to provide guidance for them, uh, give them sometimes even step-by-step with some helpful classes and programs that they can actually take. Now, the civilian... Uh, career progression is a little different than the military one than a lot of the soldiers that might listen or might be transitioning to uh, a civilian job. Tell us a little bit about what's the difference or what's similar between the two processes. Well, uh, with the military, you know, you if you're an officer and you're enlisted, and I'm prior um, retired military uh, sergeant and enlisted, um, you have some classes that are available for you and recommend it also they're pretty much in line with you're supposed to do uh with civilians a little bit different we have the civilian education system ces as we call it and it's actually what's recommended for you and what's and somewhat required for you but it's not necessary you have to take it but we say this is will help you get to the next step so for example if you're a uh e4 you have to do WLC, Warrior Leader course, to get promoted to E5, but that may not be the case as a civilian. You may not have to take a course to keep your job or to get promoted. That's, that's, that's totally true. Um, and it was even different when I was in there. It was called PLDC. Right. That's <laughs> so, going back a ways. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, yeah. And with um, civilians, there's classes that you take, and the first one is uh, the foundation course. Mm-hmm. And you take that if you came in. Before 2006, September, uh, you're grandfathered in and you don't have to take it. But if you came in after then, and everybody knew this coming in now, that's a requirement. You do have to take it. So I, sometimes I have sergeant majors and other people that are came in, retired, and now they're a civilian. They go, why do I have to take this, Chris? And I go, you, you have, that's a requirement. It's going over the basics of Army. Yes, you already know it. 
but you should be able to go through the 10 modules pretty quickly. And there, you say that in some cases there's stuff in the, the foundation course that maybe is a good refresher or some people even find things they didn't know. Yes, and, and especially that's the most kickback that I get is from prior military. And, they, and, they, and I say it's just a refresher. Don't let it get to you because you go over some general orders, some ranks, some things that I already know, and you have some history about the Army. So mm -hmm. it's a good building block. Uh, most nobody's complained. The biggest thing is about the time it takes to do it, and and it's on you how much time it takes. I have people have completed it as early as two weeks, and I have people have taken all the way up to six months to actually do it. Oh well. Wow. So um, after you finish that course, the the first course that you might take for the early or the lower GS ranks is the basic course, right? Who takes the basic course? Uh, the basic course is um, from GS one through nine. And that's for NAF equivalent and wage grade also. And NAF is not appropriated funds. So you've got three kinds of employees, the wage grades, the NAFs, and the GSs will all are eligible to take this course. That's correct. But not contractors. Right, but not contractors. That's true. And the thing is, there's a lot of perception with the NAF. They don't think they're able to take the classes. And that's why I'm here to actually say, yes, you can take the classes also. And it is a good thing to help you in your career. Because... What happens a lot of times with NAF is that they don't discover some of these classes until they become a supervisor. And now they're trying to play catch up. So if you're knocking them out as you're going, it's a little bit easier than to wait to the last minute. So what's the focus of the basic course? The basic course is giving you the basic guidance of being a civilian. Uh, it's a distance learning course. Um, it has over eight mods. You can pre-test um, on some of them and it, you have to get a 90 or above to actually take it and that way you don't have to take the whole module you of get it a 90 or better and you're, yeah. you're exempted you can take the ones you don't know yes and and that's true uh it's the the mod the the distance learning of the basic is it's there and you can take it anytime you want to it's 24 7 it's online you have to get your supervisor's approval for it and it's recommended you do because you want your supervisor's support because you can do it at different times. You can do it at home. You can do it. You can even do it at lunchtime or other times doing work if your supervisors approve you. So I, I would assume that's the case for all these courses that you want to get your supervisor involved. Let them know, hey, I want to take this. This is my next thing I want to do. And if they buy into it, that's a good thing, right? Yes. And the second part of that is the first part is the distance learning. The second part is the actual resident portion. Mm -hmm. But now with things are going the way they are with the pandemic, a lot of the classes are all also online, the residential portions. They're not sending people to Fort Leonard Ward anymore right. Right, at this time. And it, but it, it is changing, and it should open back up probably by next year again. But that is another two weeks for that. I mean, that's another uh, time when you go to the residence. The cool thing is you go to – there and you meet other people of that grade level mm -hmm. and of those different different but it's not the same type of job everybody has a different type of job but you still have some basic requirements for right. you so if you want to do the course completely online get it done quickly if you want to do the distance learning and have the experience to go somewhere else and interact with peers maybe wait and see if it if it comes up right or you can opt out and just go ahead and take a distance learning also okay so you can at any time you'll be able to switch to distance learning yes that's that's the that's the myth right now a lot of times people don't want to go because they don't want to take the dis um the resident portion because they have family members they need to take care right. of or the biggest one I found out is when I did a survey on people, they don't want their work to be 
there when they get back. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. that was a surprise to me. But yeah. that that is the case also. So after the basic course is done, what do you transition to? What's the next thing you're supposed to take? The next one is the intermediate course, and that is from the uh, the GS nine to the GS twelve, and NAF equivalent also in wage grade, and that is a little bit more in depth. Uh, it's a little bit longer on the distance learning. Uh, you still have the modules that you have to do. It's a prerequisite. You have to uh, you have to do pretty much like a book report and, and tell little things of why you think this on leadership. Uh, you have some ARs that you have to cover. It's it's a more in depth, but it's it's a very very satisfying class. Right, and the last one that most employees will see that unless you become an SES, the, the last one is the advanced course, right? Right, and the advanced course um, is a little longer. Uh, it's a four week course, um, but right. you. But all these classes, you have to do distance learning first, right? And that's the prerequisite to do it, and then you have to pass it and get, you know, above ninety, and right. then you take the residential portion. And then, so then that one's for thirteen, fourteen, fifteen is the advanced course. Yes, sir. If anybody has a question about how to get enrolled in these classes and how they work, can they contact you? Yes, they can. Um, they can contact me at Christian. That's K R I S T I A N dot K dot Anthony A N T H O N Y dot Civ S I mean C I V at Army dot mil. Right. So you're in the global, Christian yes. Anthony. So they can they can find that's how I usually find you. <laughs> look yeah. you up in the global. And they can look me up on uh, actually MS Teams too. That's okay. And that way they can chat with me. Uh, I prefer sometimes with MS Teams if you're having difficulties. It helps me out a lot because uh, it saves me lots of time and you lots of time because I can actually get onto your actually computer and see what's actually going on ah, at okay. the same time as using MST. It saves me a lot of times because before of packing up, grabbing my stuff, going to your office and see what actually you're talking about. If I can't figure it out on the phone, I can do it on MS Teams. And I do that with a lot of programs now. Okay. So I prefer that way because if I can't help you that way, then something else is going on and you need to come in and we can make another appointment. Okay, great. Now, um, so Department of Human Resources and you, the Workforce Development Specialist, have a number of classes that people can go through, civilians, to learn about what their career progression is supposed to be. And you also have a welcome class, sort of. Tell us a little bit about your, your welcome class. Well, yes, the welcome class is the NEO, New Employees Orientation. It's for garrison employees. Uh, we say that because uh, we have other um, people here that work at Fort Lee that want to be involved, but it's, it's mm -hmm. focused on garrison employees. Let's welcome them to the team. Um, they get briefings from CPAC, make sure the financing and some of their insurance is uh, set, but we make sure that they get down there and know where their benefits are and where they can make changes, how to read their LESs, how to, where to go to MyPay, ABC, MyBiz, um, you walk them through all the websites. All these, and yeah, and we and we, we have them work on their own computer, so that it's it's easier to recall something that you actually do hands on right. than it is me just to sit up here and give you a briefing. Right. So that's why I, we think this works, and I team up with Miss um, Lee Johnston. She's the HR specialist, so we kind of tag team there, and we also talk about we also talk about some of the other programs that a lot of new employees don't know about the EAP. Employees Assistance Benefits by Susan Loden. Uh, we also have EEO come in there and talk. So we also tell them these are other programs that are available for them to have. So it's kind of a comprehensive class. If you're new, here's what's going on in Fort Lee. Yeah, and a lot of times 
employees, you know, that, hey, Chris, I'm not new. I've been in the government forever, and now I'm just here at Fort Lee. And I'm going, well, that's okay. We want to welcome you to the team. We want to make sure everything is good. We want to just review your benefits so that you know where you stand. Um, so how often do you do the class? Uh, we do the class um, actually every month, mm -hmm. um, the last Wednesday of the month. So uh, if if an employee can't make it, they know they can plan for the next one. And we try to put these things on a monthly basis so that it'd be easier to plan for. Another class you guys offer is a career management workshop. Tell me a little bit about who that's intended for and what's in the class. Right. The career management workshop is, I'll say, is for more seasoned employees or people who have been here for a while because we know by us going to the new employees, we catch the new employees coming in and make sure everything's mm -hmm. their benefits are online. But we also have the rest of the garrison that we haven't been actually being able to check everybody. So this is a volunteer class. You come in there and we can go over your benefits with you. And it's people who've been here for a while and haven't had anybody check their benefits. We have gotten great reviews on ICE all the time. The class has been growing. Now we average about 15 employees every month. Uh, and it's, 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 it's truly a success because a lot of people just go on and think things are normal. And when we go over and show them where to change their benefits and what is actually going to be done when they retire, they, they like that they can see and make changes. How often, how regularly, when is this class? Uh, this class is at the last Tuesday of every month. Okay. Also. So, so you do the, the new, new class on the last Wednesday and this class on the last Tuesday. Right. And we, and we do that on purpose because we don't want the new employees coming right to the career management workshop right afterwards. <laughs> that makes sense. That, so they at least give them a month and get everything digested and then they can come right. to the next class. Uh, to that end, long-time employees typically have changes to the way things work and sometimes they don't always catch up to that what do you have to say about long-time employees what should they be looking at uh, as their career go through their career so they don't get blindsided by anything uh that is that's a good point and that's that's one of the benefits of career management workshop is to actually have people and employees that's been in round for a while and never checked their benefits or records they just think it's the same and if it's a mistake, it's always going to be there. It's not like the military when you get deployed, the people correct your records right. and fix your, your insurance and everything. No, it stays the same unless you go in there and change it. And that's why we show them that it's not going to change because it's outdated or your, uh, your, uh, your child has grown to age 34 and you still have insurance on them. That insurance, you're still paying on that insurance even uh -huh. though you're not going to get anything on them. <laughs> right. And people get upset because that is 10 years overdue. Right. And But they still pay for it, so you're not going to get anything. But they get upset, but then we show them how you can actually take that off and change that back right. to where it's supposed to be. So once somebody gets close to retiring, you have another seminar that you guys put on or that you guys host to help them get ready for retirement. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, the next one we got is uh, the 17th of November. It's the first pre-retirement seminar. Uh, we do that once a year. Uh, that one is we pay for a contractor to come in, uh, Miss Cindy Lundquist, and she's very good, and I always get great reviews from it. It's a whole day class. Uh, she goes into more depth about your TSP, your Social Security, your IRA, things that we can't go in as a GS because we don't want to have people perceive that we're trying to recommend this is what you should do. Right. Well, 
this person, uh, well, Cindy is a little bit more that this is the contract. This is what the benefit is if you do this. This is if the benefit is if you don't do this. So right. she can talk a little bit more at ease at that than we can. Right. That is only once a year. So if somebody wants to jump on that one, they better jump on pretty quickly. Here. Yeah, it's already, actually, it's already filled up. Really? <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, this one's going to be on teens. Uh, I have 45 slots in there, and it's wow. always gone in the first 10 days. Oh, wow. So if somebody wants to jump in one of those, they better jump in right, cause I have, when they get the announcement. I have like four people on standby. Oh, wow. Okay. Could you talk a little bit about your supervisor development class? Uh, yes. Uh, the supervisor monthly professional development is similar to what I had when I was in the service of the NCOPD professional development it was a once a month, and we do this every second Tuesday of the month. Uh, it's for one hour. It's on MS Teams. It's for all garrison supervisors down to the first line supervisors. It's actually the hottest topic that the deputy wants to actually cover. If it's talking about the COVID, if it's talking about reasonable accommodation, we get those SMEs to come in and give them an update on that, even if it's talking about domestic violence. It's a great hit. Uh, supervisors like it because they don't have to come into a particular mm -hmm. area and stop whatever they're doing. They can go right to Teams at their desktop and they can actually see it. And it's not, you know, t you lose you lose people after you're talking to them for so long. So that's why we limit it to one hour. So it's it's a great way for the the, the deputy to make sure his intent is getting all the way down to the first line supervisors. I'm not saying there's a communication problem, but sometimes you know, director level down to that actual needs to hear sometimes from the top. And nowadays they talk about flattening the chain of command a little bit, and that's what this helps do. <laughs> yes. If you had one message for civilian employees in terms of managing their career, what would that be? Well, what I would say is that you don't take your benefits and your professional development for granted. Go in there and check and make sure that your actual information is updated and what you need or what you want. A lot of times the civilians think that somebody is going to correct it or do it for them. It's your job to actually run your career. Right. <laughs> That's, it's it's kind of, when I say that now, some people can take it offensively or can take it the right way. But a lot of times when people are ready to retire and now they're older, now they're not as, you know, up to date with everything that's going on. They think somebody already made all these changes for them since the changes has happened. Right. It's not going to happen that way. It doesn't happen that way. And I hate to see that happen. So that's why we have developed these career management workshops and these first seminars is to help people to actually, you know, go in there and check your benefits. It, these are not mandatory classes. These are classes that are volunteered to come to. So a lot of times when I have people who already put in their paperwork to retire, they go, Chris, what do I need to come to this class for? What are you going to tell me? I go, well, you have nothing to lose. All you have to hear is the benefits and what's entitled to you. And a lot of times people don't retire because they don't have things exactly. They don't max out their benefit. Right. They or, might come to your class and say, oh, holy mackerel, I didn't know that. Maybe I'll work for another year or two. Exactly. And that's, and that's why we... Even with that's why we start off with the new employees and making sure that they're set so we get everybody that's new coming in here. Right. And now we're working on the other force with the career management workshop right. because the career management, the, the other force is a little bit more tough because they've been doing it for so long. Right. So it's not easy for somebody to come in there and go, hey, do you know you can do this too? 
And you it's know, easy to put it off, too. It's easy to yeah. say, oh, I'll do that next time, or I'll do that next month. But you got to stay on top of it. You have to take care of your own online stuff. You have to submit your own stuff. You're really in charge of your own career management with help from people like you and other folks in the garrison that will help you. But you still have your own responsibility to do that. Yes, that is totally true. That is that is a good point. And I like to hit that home, that saying that, that that's the main reason we do a lot of these classes because people think that everybody is taking care of them automatically and it's not going to happen. Right. Um, okay. Uh, is there anything we didn't talk about that you brought with you? Um, I, I'd like to talk about the Supervisor Boot Camp. The next one we have is the 5th and 6th of October. It's semi-annually. We used to do it every quarterly. But this is for new supervisors that just became supervisor or just came here to Fort Lee and are new supervisors for us. Things are run here a little bit differently in Fort Lee than it is per se Fort Bragg. And I'm not saying that we're better or they're worse. This is just how things are done here. So we give you the points of contact of how to do ATAPs, how to do uh, DP map, how to do uh, retention, how to do your awards. We give you these POCs and we actually do a two-day course that actually we give you classes and we want feedback and we want your dialect and talk about it then while we're there. So if you've been a supervisor somewhere else, this is just to make sure that you're doing it the Fort Lee way and <laughs> everybody's in agreement with how to go forward and how it's done here and every, it gives you a chance to meet the other supervisors. Yes, too, right? and, that's a, and that's a great point. We have the, the, the deputy come in and welcome everybody because he want to make sure his intent goes down to the, especially to the new supervisors. But you get a, you get a step because the supervisors need help because they have to help their employees. And so if they don't know how to do it, then the employee doesn't know how to do it. So that's why we work on the supervisor and making sure they know how to find out where the guidelines and regulations are. When you're talking about the civilian education system, the CES classes, is there any myths that we ought to dispel that people maybe believe that aren't true? Uh, yes, there is. Uh, I, I would say mainly the myth is that I hear all the time is on the NAF side with the CES that they don't think they can take it or they think, think they're allowed to. That is a myth because CES is available to NAF as well as GS and wage grade as we talked about. But they don't know how to sign up or they don't know where to go in charters. And I provide classes of how to sign up step by step. And it goes and ties in with your individual development plan. So you have to have a plan of how to improve yourself. And that's the IDP. So with the IDP, this is an agreement between you and your supervisor only. So what you agree with your supervisors, hey, I want to develop myself by getting this CES that I need to get up to my grade level, and I'm also working on, i.e., my master's degree. So now your supervisor knows what you're doing and knows what your plan is for that year. So every year you have to do an IDP, and that is a requirement, and that it goes into your workforce development uh, actual element that's in your DP map. So. A lot of people, when they do the IDP, it's just like a check in the block. But it's it's really, it's your opportunity to tell your supervisor, this is how I'm trying to improve myself. And it's your supervisor's actual responsibility says, I like what you got here. I got all this stuff. And I like your CS. I like this. But have you ever thought about a class on communications? Or have you ever thought about a class on teamwork? Or whatever the case might be. But that's, that's the agreement between you and your supervisor. 
this helps you do your IE CES. You want CES, you know you need some more time, you know you might need take 30 minutes extra lunch, that's the agreement between you and your supervisors and it put you put that in your IDP so now you have something that when your supervisor goes, hey I need you to do this and you go, hey remember every Wednesday I'm doing my CES, can I Right. Remember that, you know, and then then you got a little bit more than just saying, oh, I'm trying to do the CS. Right. Give me this five hours extra a day. No, right. that's not going to work. You kind of formalize the process. Everybody agrees and says, okay, that's what we're going to do going forward. That IDP is important then. I mean, I think, like you say, I think there there's a tendency to look at it and say, oh, maybe I can do that later. That's not important. But that helps you chart out not only what you're doing this year, but kind of in the future too, right? Yes. And I always, I always when I give the class the IDP, and I always say it's always the icing on the cake because the IDP is not your job. You have to do your job. You get paid for a job. Right. This is your job. You get paid for it. The IDP is something you want to do additional if you have some time here and there to improve on your job and your performance. So that's why I always tell people just put a few things down there. Don't put six or seven things down there that you're trying to do in your IDP because if you're doing six or seven things beside your job, <laughs> maybe that's a little your too supervisor much. is not going to really like that because right. if you have that much time, you can do these other things, then there's something right. something's going on that you you got a lot of extra time and that's not going to make anybody happy. Right. Uh, Chris Anthony, Workforce Development Specialist for USAG Fort Lee. Thank you very much for being with us today. Great information, and hopefully everybody will take away something as a civilian uh, and, and get in touch with you. One more time, your contact information is uh, Christian with a K, K-R-I-S-T-I-A-N dot K. K dot Anthony dot Civ, and that's both on Teams and in the Global. You can find him. He's out there. And uh, I guess that wraps up this. Thanks for being with us, and we'll be right back. No problem. Thank you for having me. This concludes this edition of the Fort Lee Podcast. Thanks for joining us, and please remember to subscribe, leave a rating, leave some comments for us. We appreciate your feedback and your input. Thank you for joining us, and we hope to see you next time here on the Fort Lee Podcast.